You're listening to Sex, Please. We're part of Safe Harbor here on KPFK Los Angeles, 90.7 FM. We're also 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 San Diego, 99.5 Ridgecrest and China Lake. And for everyone else in the world, we're at kpfk.org. I'm your host, Vanessa Carlisle, and I'm live in studio here with my co-ho on the radio, Danny Cruz. Hi. Hi. We've got our broad in the booth, Chris Ann Eastwood. I got the phone lines ready. And we have such a show for you tonight. I am I'm titillated. Ooh, already. Um, here's what's happening. Tonight's show is about a gender topic, not as much about sex. We're going to talk about some shifts happening in our culture um, regarding the representation of trans people in media. We're going to hear from some trans thinkers and artists, and hopefully we will all have some better understanding by the end of the hour. We've got an interview with Jack Halberstam. Love him. Love him. Um, He's a culture critic and a professor at USC, the author of Gaga Feminism and the Queer Art of Failure. And we've got Koi Chan in studio with us tonight. Hello. (laughs) She's a trans woman, an actor, and a model. We've got a song we're going to play later by Isis Rain, uh, the first two-spirit performer from the Miccosoo Cree First Nation to perform at the Aboriginal People's Choice Music Awards. Oh, this song. We're going to rock out. It's called The Queen. It is such a good song. I listened to it when you sent it. Oh, my God. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, So, yeah. Really excited. But first, but first, before we get into all of this goodness, let's do some sex news. Yeah. So, um, uh, first thing up is the... uh, the so-called bathroom bill in um, North Carolina, a lot of heat is mounting up against it. The NBA has said, like, you should take the all-star game out of North Carolina, bring it to Atlanta. Like, a whole bunch of people have come out against this bathroom bill. So, Why don't you remind people what that bill is? Yeah, so um, about a week ago, um, North Carolina signed this controversial new law restricting transgender rights. Um, it's pretty much make, saying that uh, people... Um, must go into the bathroom of the gender that they were assigned at birth, even if that does not match what the gender you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone from um, celebrities to um, even Governor Governor Cuomo has banned all his employees from going to North Carolina because <laughs> of the just Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo of New York of New York. Sorry, yes. the, the the governor of New York has said none, no New York State employees are going to North Carolina. We said non-essential that. travel. It's a bad all non-essential travel. This bill also, I mean, several North Carolina cities had anti-discrimination laws in place. Mm-hmm. And this bill overturns them as right, well. Right, yeah. o- was overriding anti-discrimination yeah. laws. Yeah. What do you, what do you call a law that overrides an anti-discrimination law? Perhaps a discriminating law? <laughs> Bullshit. That's what I say. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> a big pile of fucky muck. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll see where that goes. A lot of people are putting pressure for them to repeal it, kind of like the pressure that was put on um, Indiana. Uh, the pressure was put on Georgia. It was uh, recently on Georgia. Georgia just uh, the uh, governor vetoed the bill, a similar bill that came out of the Georgia uh, state legislature. Mm-hmm. And he vetoed it because of the pressure from big companies like Disney, who said we're not going to because a lot of people shoot uh, shoot films there, Disney and Apple and so forth. But here's the interesting thing about North Carolina. 
there a lot of you know companies, entertainment companies, because North Carolina is also a big place where the film community shoots. Mm-hmm. Miramax has come out and saying putting pressure on. Um, uh, North Carolina saying we are against this because it is discriminat- discriminating, but Miramax has just been purchased by a Qatari royal, and in Qatar it is illegal to be gay. So you know there could be some blowback, pushback. Who knows what's going to? I mean, it'd be interesting if that you know pushes back. Complicated. Yeah. Makes yeah. it complicated, doesn't That's it? Complicated. Makes it complicated. Uh, next up, some sad news. This out of um, Los Angeles last week, a 32-year-old trans woman of color was shot and killed Wednesday um, it, near Skid Row, uh, according to ABC. Um, the woman, uh, Courtney, uh, I want to I say her name, Courtney Davia Dawson Yoakum, um, was shot in broad daylight. Um, the suspect is described as a man in his 20s. Um, he still hasn't been, his identity still hasn't been talked about much. I couldn't find anything since the story um, was originally printed, but he's believed to be um, her ex-partner. Um, and he allegedly shot her, like, in broad daylight after some kind of partner dispute. Um, so I definitely wanted to give a little bit of time. Um, this murder comes, you know, on the heels of several other homicides in, in that involve trans uh, transgender women, um, Jasmine Sierra in Bakersfield, uh, a trans man named Demarcus Stansberry, a Texas woman named uh, Monica Luetta, Caden uh, Clark from Arizona, Maya Young, and countless others who've been um, killed just this year mm-hmm. um, in the United States. So we definitely another one that hits home of the epidemic of violence against right. um, trans people. Um, the last thing uh, on our sex news is um, kind of tying in. Um, there was a uh, an article today in the Austin Chronicle um, where artist Drew Riley talked about uh, March 31st being International Transgender Day of Visibility. Um, and uh, in this op-ed for the Austin Chronicle, um, Drew writes... Visibility and representation is perhaps the most vitally important thing to a marginalized group of people because representation lets members of that minority feel less isolated and more normalized. And for a highly stigmatized group like transgender people, visibility illuminates and normalizes them to the rest of the world. Visibility births education and education births empathy. And that potential for empathy from cisgender people towards transgender people through the Transgender Day of Visibility has the potential to reduce the name for the, excuse me, reduce the need for the trans day, Transgender Day of Remembrance later in the year. Right. So Transgender Day of Remembrance is November 20th, and we're going to have um, a number of events all over the country where people will be reading names of trans people who have been killed during that year. And so this trans transgender day of visibility is not to um, you know not not to step away from the remembrance, but actually to add another piece, which is visibility not just for tragedy, but visibility for trans people who are alive, who are doing things, mm-hmm. who are making art, who are you know part of political protest, who are living regular daily lives without participating. You know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and I really like this. I like this idea of, of visibility as the as sort of the, the beginning of um, of larger, larger movement. I think it's I think it's important. 
Um, I think it's very interesting, Danny, that your sex news segment had nothing to do with sex. <laughs> and we're doing a gender show. I mean, we're definitely doing a gender Trans show. Trans people do like to have sex. Just, True. just on the record, I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> firsthand. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we got that just off the bat. Just, just so you know, everyone. Um, I think uh, I think my instinct was to you know be, what my my sex news would be yeah what's be, yours my, okay so my sex news as far as like trans people would go would kind of go something like um, I I feel like trans women and I I think this is with all women I feel like we kind of. Um, are like apologetic about our bodies and like a lot of people want to know like how trans women have sex right. and they're like so who you know what I mean I feel like it's kind of like back in the day when like they would ask gay people um, who um, like who fucks who yeah who's the woman who, in this relationship the, right and it's like it's me the woman <laughs> <laughs> is the woman but no but I, I I think you know some trans people do use their you know penises. You can say these words. This is safe harbor. (laughs) Okay. You can say whatever you want. This is safe harbor. You can say penis, dick, cock, whatever. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, now I know. Um, (laughs) Trouser trout, you know, the dolphin, the uh, heat-seeking moisture missile. I think I was more just uncomfortable talking about my own penis okay i think i think that's what it was but um but no but i mean um yeah no it's uh, trans some trans women do like to use their penises i'm not one of them but i respect that they like to use them and i think that's amazing Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. that's that's the part of the whole education of you know and one of the reasons we do this we're doing this show is is to educate people of the spectrum of transness and the spectrum of gender and and the spectrum of of sexuality and that the the the, the words binary are not necessarily the hard and fast rule anymore and a lot of people you know don't don't necessarily understand that i mean this is a sex show but a lot of people think sex and gender are the same thing Mm. and so that's what we're differentiating that tonight is pretty that's 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 pretty (laughs) darn important do you really think people think sex and gender i mean i feel like they may conflate them on certain issues but i think people understand like you are dressing this way and you feel like this way in society and you are you know sexuality i feel like they can differentiate the two you don't think people? i think i think one thing that does happen is assumptions about sexuality based on gender so people people do maybe have a sense that oh there's there's a male gender and a female gender and then maybe there's some other other genders going on that i haven't seen but well, people still ask you, i what, don't what but i don't know how you, people have female. sex I mean, people still have that that's a very old school question they didn't mm. even say the word gender you know in in normal conversation people ask you what sex are what sex are you yeah mm. yeah what sex are you yeah. the good kind yeah we've got ashley on the line Hello, Ashley. Hi. Are you there? Hi, I'm here. Thanks Hi. for having me. Hi, welcome Hi, to the show. Um, so basically, as far as um, the trans experience in the media goes, I just want to um, first just acknowledge the advancement that we have in the media, that we actually have trans people playing trans roles. Mm-hmm. That is Hallelujah. huge because... Oftentimes, we find ourselves in a place where a cis person is given the best representation that they understand. But statistically speaking, most Americans have never met a trans person or even know a trans person. So it's kind of hard to 
um, translate that narrative and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, The opportunity that I feel we do have um, in media is that we need more trans people of color. We're talking about a movement that is based on the, um, the oppression and the crimes and the things that are committed against trans people of color. And um, it's greatly disproportionate to our brothers and sisters who are non-ethnic. Right. So um, I've often had the discussion with friends um, who've seen me on social media um, with Caitlyn Jenner and um They've asked me, like, why would you deal with her? Why would you, she's this, and she's a horrible representation, and she's blah, blah, blah. The reality is that Caitlyn Jenner, as of late, has began the discussion in the media, but it's up to us to join the table and participate in the discussion. She doesn't represent all trans people, just like me as a black trans woman of color do not represent all black trans people. And um, what I feel is important is that we get to a place in media where we are trans people, but we are actors, we are musicians, we are commentators, we are journalists, we are teachers, we are leaders, we are innovators, we are all those amazing things that make us equal to our cisgender part. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. That's so helpful. It, the The idea of even doing a show on transgender rep- representation in media has something built into it that's that's not good, which is that sort of like separation of, um, you know, trans performers from other performers, which... I mean, I guess when we talk about visibility and we're talking about raising awareness, it feels like you kind of have to pull pull that out in some way to have that conversation. But I think you're right that ultimately the goal is like, wow, we shouldn't need to have this conversation at some point. We should be we should be moving on to the part where nobody is having to is having to get so stigmatized that they that they have to have a special conversation about them. Right. I think that um, Viola Davis, when she won, it was the Emmy that she won, and she was the first um, black woman to win an Emmy as like a, a leading character. And one thing she said is that what separates um, women of color and um, white women is is opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes, I know the same goes for trans people. And I think that um, when telling a trans story or maybe even when hiring a trans person, um, that they um that you know they they're just missing that opportunity but i'm yeah. done talking thank you thank you <laughs> um we thank you so much for calling ashley we have another call which is isis rain tonight we are going to be playing a song by isis rain i am so excited that we have isis rain on the phone hello isis are you there hi how are you hi welcome to the show thank you would you be willing to introduce people a little bit to the song The Queen? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm Isis Rain. I'm a two-spirited recording artist. And I actually wrote the song based on my life. Uh, I was bullied most of my life. And um, I wrote the song one day on a plane, um, just thinking about like so many people out there that are being hurt and that are facing so much trauma and they feel all alone and um i just i just i remember writing a a course saying like you know 
I'd fight for you. I'd die for you. Sit by my throne because there is no king. I'm superwoman. I'm the queen. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful. And I thought, like, you know, even when you look in the mirror, I'm like, you're looking at a queen. Like, you know, and to look at yourself that way every day and tell yourself that you're beautiful and you're worth it is what I had to do to succeed in life from all the abuse that I have been through in my life which got me to where I am today, is to just learn to love myself and to tell myself that God didn't put me on this planet to go through everything that I went through with being molested and gang raped and with physically abused and mentally and emotionally abused um, just to not do something with my life. And so now I run an anti-bullying campaign every year in Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada, in the heart of the oil sands, and we raise money to nonprofit organizations, and we have people from all over Canada that kind of perform for one night, and it's just like you know, amazing. We we raised twenty thousand dollars last year, and uh, we helped the homeless and and a treatment center. That's amazing. And it was just amazing. Is so is there a website people that. can go to to learn more about your work? Yeah, it's isissafety.com. So it's I-C-E-I-S-safety.com. And then my Get Ready program that I created is to help non, uh, is to help uh, our First Nations people and at-risk youth uh, get full-time employment. And that program is called the Get, uh, sorry, get Ready Program, which is uh, getreadyprogram.com. Thank you and so much. Starting in May... Starting in May, we'll be able to um, uh, be able to do it online, so it's globally accredited, so we can do it all over the world. So we're hoping to help people get employment by training them to get the fundamentals to work in their field of choice. Right on. Thank you so much, Isis. This is wonderful news. Anything yeah, else you'd like yeah, to it's... say about your about your music or your performance? Well, I, I mean, it was an honor for me. So. Identifying myself, I was always asked, like, what are you? Like, are you a cross-dresser? Are you transsexual? Um, are you a she-male? You know, and I said, like, I'm Isis Rain. I'm <laughs> two-spirited. I don't, have, I don't believe that I or anybody has to dignify themselves into a specific box. We are who we think and say we are and who we believe we are. And so for me, I speak like for the trans community as ISIS Rain, as Massey, I speak as a business person and as a survivor um, and as a gay male. And it's very, inter- it's very difficult because like in my Aboriginal culture, um, a medicine man had told me, he said, you're too spirited. You've been gifted by the spirits. So our culture, we embrace homosexuality. We embrace two spirited people. Other cultures, they shun people for being gay. Right. And it, it, it's, it's hard to go to these places where I speak and I do lectures, and they tell me, like, you know, well, I never came out because I was, you know, I was told that if I did come out that I was going to be kicked out of the house and stuff, and I just thought that was so devastated. Um, I ended up helping to start a lot of gay and straight alliances in schools, in Fort McMurray. And I think that it's a strong 
I have a strong passion for that, is to speak as a positive role model for the cross-dressing community, for the drag queen community, for the trans community, to uh, believe in themselves that they don't need to define themselves as a person that performs on stage every night as a drag queen. They don't need to identify themselves as transsexuals. Um, they need to identify themselves as whoever they are, as a name, as a human. Um, like, for instance, I watched that show by Caitlyn Jenner, I Am Kate. I really, I don't feel that she deserves to be labeled uh, a trailblazer for us because mm-hmm. anybody with money can transform themselves to whoever they want to be and whatever they want to look like with a million dollars. But without finding yourself in your heart and without finding yourself with the belief of who you are, you can't radiate to mm. the audience. I'm not a big fan of, of Caitlyn Jenner either, but I, I do have to say, like, what, what was the other college? What was her name? The last college, do you remember? The, the, the last... Uh, that was Ashley. Ashley. Uh, when we spoke to Ashley, she said something about Caitlyn Jenner. And, um, like, I don't think that she's perfect, but she... she I mean, I give credit where, where credit is due because a lot of people weren't talking about trans people. It wasn't even brought into, you know, media or attention until she came and did what she did. Um, I do not like the fact that she is a support... That she is a, a quote-unquote trans ambassador to evangelical Ted Cruz. I think that... That, that is crazy, but I do think that we should give credit where credit is due, and she has done something positive. And I think that the battles, I think that we should choose our battles carefully, and I don't think that we should be criticizing people who have done something. I think we should be criticizing people who are making policies and laws that keep minorities held back. That's just my yeah. But then again, like, you know, how do you see that happening? Like, when you see on her show that, I mean, she can't even tell truthfully, you know, and answer questions that are so simple as the fact of, like, do you see yourself dating a guy or a girl? And she says, well, I don't know how my kids would react. Mm. I think that's all personal. I I don't I don't think that really matters. But oh, but um, yeah. Thank you for calling, Isis. I'm so grateful, and I, I'm really excited to play your song later in the hour. So, listeners, stay with us. You're going to hear Isis Rain's song, The Queen, a little bit later in this hour. We are Sex Please. You're listening to KPFK. We're Safe Harbor Shows. We're at 90.7 FM Los Angeles. You can listen to us on kpfk.org anywhere. And if you're interested to call into the show and join the conversation, the number is 818-985-5735. We're going to listen to some interview material with Jack Halberstam now. Um, Jack's the author of Gaga Feminism and the Queer Art of Failure. He's a culture critic and professor at USC. And here's some things he has to say about trans representation in media. Thanks for joining us, Jack. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> um, so first question is just sort of a broad one about how you see the cultural landscape changing around transgender issues and presence in media and politics? Well, things have changed a lot. Um, you know, when I, I wrote a book on transgender representation that came out in 2005 in a queer time and place, and um, at that point, you know, transgender people were seen as a very weird and very marginal um, subculture in American life, and 
Now, I think in 2015, there was a Time magazine cover with Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black uh, under the title, The Transgender Tipping Point. So apparently, according to mainstream media, we've arrived at some tipping point, which I presume for them means that because regular people suddenly know what transgender means and maybe even know some transgender people, that somehow we're all supposed to be happy, grateful, and recognize that we have arrived at a place of recognition and mm -hmm. acceptance. But of course, it's actually a bit more complicated than that. So it is true, however, that when I began my career, let's say, in queer studies um, in the early 90s, that was a really, really different moment in terms of particularly the representation of trans masculinity. Mm. And up until, you know, the 80s, transgenderism or transsexualism, as it would then have been called, was seen as largely a phenomenon affecting people born into male bodies who had a strong desire to become women and who therefore um, went to one of a handful of clinics in the U.S., like the Stanford Gender Clinic or the Minnesota Gender Clinic, and presented themselves to a doctor for evaluation on the road to sex reassignment surgeries, which were not particularly sophisticated at that time. And the prevailing um, representation around trans bodies, which you know, came to a head in, I, I think it was in 1991 with the Silence of the Lambs, was that the trans person was a deeply troubled individual who had an impossible desire to change sex that they were going to realize by hook or by crook. And so that meant, you know, many, many representations of um, gender variant people as pathological murderers. And right. You can go all the way back to psycho. To so you find couldn't that. have you couldn't have gender variants in representation in mainstream without also pathologizing gender dysphoria, wrong body, all of this. Yeah, this and sense in fact, of like it, you're wrong from the get go if you have a desire. Yeah. And in fact, there was even a series on BBC in England called The Wrong Body, mm -hmm. and it was a two or three part series about young people who expressed a sense of being in the wrong body and who at that time were met with, you know, dismay, uh, confusion. But then also, and this is what the show tried to document, um, some kind of clinical response, often in the form of um, uh, puberty-blocking hormones and some sort of hormonal treatment, and a new sort of, a new uh, there was a, a new sense of empathy mm. uh, around the trans body, but still not a deep sense of understanding. So that's, you know, that's the framework out of which a new gender and transgender politics emerged. Moving into the 90s and the 2000s, you begin to get more complex narratives about trans people and an understanding that in a binary system, inevitably, some people will cross-identify. So I think that, you know, we could say that over the last, shall we say, 30 years, uh, opinions and, and uh, understandings of uh, gender variant bodies has changed radically, radically, mm -hmm. to the point that it's really even kind of difficult to keep up with what those changes mean and what they look like and what, what impact they might have on m mainstream understandings of gender and sexuality as a whole. How far do you think we are from a third gender option or the removal of the binary gender from um, 
government documentation or mm-hmm. you know state state requirement? Well, I think it depends on the kind of activism that people engage around these issues because where it's made into just an identitarian uh, uh, a question, you know, just like we want to incorporate, you know, trans people and recognize them um, and, and uh, you know, support um, um, trans identity. It becomes just sort of a one-by-one kind of activist project. But where we, we use some of the issues around transgender recognition to access other, other ideas, then I think it becomes more appealing. So asking, for example, why it is that people even need to state their gender or have it stated on their driver's license, on their passport. Those are bigger questions about how the government keeps track of people and what identity markers are important in terms of this tracking that, by the way, is a big topic of conversation right now in relationship to uh, unauthorized surveillance systems, right? Um, This is a good time for trans people to say, you know, we're not the only ones who should be worried about the kind of surveillance that we're all constantly under, much of which now passes through, for example, our California driver's license. So how is the documentation that is supposed to just um, locate us in time and space actually providing a window for unwanted forms of governance and surveillance? Mm -hmm. So that kind of leap where you go from, hmm, how do I change my name from female to male to... Why does the government need my gender identity on my driver's license? Those are, those are the, the, the kinds of activist uh, orientations, I think, that will take transgender issues out of an identity framework and put them firmly into a social justice framework. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think needs to happen. People need to link transgender oppressions to other things um, so that it isn't just a matter of what happened with gay marriage where bourgeois subjects who happen to be gay or lesbian get pulled into national belonging, but the same kinds of bodies of color and and people living in poverty or homeless people or sex workers remain on the outside of recognition and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I know those are the kinds of issues that you've been talking about on your show, so I think that in that way we can make some connections to other conversations you've been having. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You're listening to Sex, Please. We're part of Safe Harbor here on KPFK. Call in. You want to talk to us? 818-985-KPFK. We're live. It's 1230. We're live. I'm here with Danny Cruz. Hi, Danny. Hi. I'm here with Quay Tan. Quay. Hi, Quay. <laughs> like Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I keep wishing I could get my hands on some of those. Nobody ever has them. You know what you can do? Just take Ambien. Oh. Just take like an okay. like because that's what it that's what it is. You just take a heavy dose of Ambien and just stay up. Not not that we advocate taking prescription drugs without a prescription. Sorry, sex, please. Um, <laughs> we're you know we're gonna we're gonna listen to a song now. Transition to transition to a song. Tonight's get it on song, and we do give you a get it on song every sex please every Wednesday night. You can tune in and you can hear another song that should inspire you to make out. Uh, tonight's song is called The Queen, and it's by Isis Rain. We spoke with Isis a little bit earlier tonight on the show. Um, Isis Rain is a two-spirit performer from the Mikisiu Cree First Nation, and this song is one of my new favorites of my life. Jam it. <laughs> Welcome to The Queen.
Hi, this is Danny Cruz, your friendly neighborhood rent boy. We can't play this song on SoundCloud, but we hope you're enjoying our show. Vanessa and I would like to invite you to listen to our show live Wednesday nights on KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles and streaming online at kpfk.org. And call us. We love to hear your thoughts and your comments. Join the conversation by calling us 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, or on Twitter, hashtag sexplease, and definitely support Safe Harbor shows on KPFK. When you make your donations at kpfk.org or calling in to the station to make your donations, uh, please tell them that you support Safe Harbor, you support listener-funded radio, and you support free speech. Now back to Sex Please with Vanessa Carlisle. Good evening. You're listening to Sex, Please. I'm Vanessa Carlisle. We're part of Safe Harbor here on KPFK 90.7 FM. Call us. Talk to us. 818-985-KPFK. That you- song was kicking ass. <laughs> song, I liked queen. it. It was Isis Rain with the Queen. I'm yeah. so excited to hear queer music with raging big guitars, man. <laughs> I love that song. Yo, yeah, Isis Rain is making music. You can, uh, you can find her on SoundCloud and... Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of really wonderful wonderful things happening with Isis Rain. Um, so we're here in the studio. We're live. Call and talk to us eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. I'm here with Quay, and I, I'm curious what your response was to that piece of um, interview from Jack Halberstam that we just heard. Uh, yeah, I like a lot of what Jack had to say, um, especially about um, how we're not at some type of trans tipping point. Um, I, I also like that he um, he was talking about how um, the he was he was um, relating the um, this idea that um, with trans people on in the media you see a lot of um white trans people you see like this christian image and he was relating it to the um the, the marriage equality and how all of that activism kind of came together um but for me what what kind of stood out for me and what i uh, kind of think about is just kind of how our gay activists in the past have failed us with focusing on marriage equality um, because marriage equality or two gay men or two gay women getting married doesn't mean anything if they are all of these um, discrimination laws in most of America. Um, and I and it's it's the same with these activists and these governors um, who are doing really nice things by opposing these um, trans bathroom laws that make trans people go to men's restrooms and you know and I mean trans women go to men's restrooms and trans oh you you know what I mean um, what Danny was talking about earlier it doesn't mean anything if we can't get jobs um, if we can't you know get education and when we get fired from these jobs or when we're denied opportunity, we have no legal recourse. Um, no legal recourse. So um, I think that these activists are just focusing on the wrong things. Mm. Um, I don't know why they're doing that. I think we're supposed to get happy and jump around and say, oh, yay, I can now use the women's restroom in North Carolina. I'm not excited about that if you know, I'm sleeping on the street. I'm not excited about that. If, you know, I can't eat food, if I can't support myself and succeed in life, um, you know, why focus on these just... Why focus on where I go to the bathroom if 
I don't have a house to sleep in. Yeah. Wow. I think that's that's definitely part of what Jack was trying to say with the notion that building building a movement just around um, gender variance doesn't 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 mean doesn't really mean anything for people who are having um, poverty be the absolute first problem, right? Mm-hmm. So you can you can have your big issue be marriage equality if all of your other basic needs are met. You can have yeah. you can have your big issue be you know bathroom appropriateness if if all your other basic needs are met and it sounds to me like like what you're saying is yeah. ba- basic needs first for everyone yeah. and, but particularly and, for trans people and i just want to be clear what i'm talking about is not like oh we need to you know make up something so that you know poor trans people can you know or poor gay people can you know have a chance in life the, there's actual laws in most of the united states of america to where you can literally fire someone for being gay you can fire someone for being trans and they can take no legal recourse you know this is Act, this is an actual law that people could be advocating, you know, to change. Sure. There's and people a- are working to do that. I mean, this 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 North Carolina thing was labeled the bathroom bill by the proponents of it in North Carolina to get people to vote because they worked on a because they were proffering a they went for the basic thing that people were to 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 put fear into voters and to put fear into their legislatures. I mean, it's it's totally the law in actuality is a sweeping, you know, uh, overturning of every city ordinance. But the, the bathroom is a small part of it. But they made that the biggest part to energize people, to scare them. And Mississippi has just done, I just saw it very quickly, but they're doing one of these bills as well. You know, Georgia's got... Uh, vetoed but i mean the south is and you know kansas has done a little something indiana has been playing with a little something i mean these things are not going away um and so it's definitely it's definitely not just about um explicit legislation though right we're talking also about the way that everyday um discrimination happens like um i have a dear friend who's a trans man who is who's trying to get a job right now and most recently, he's had to submit a birth certificate, a social security card, and his driver's license. His gender doesn't match on all these documents. For that to be the barrier to him getting a job, which right now it is, there are places like having having a birth certificate and a driver's license that don't have a gender that match has been a problem for getting a job. Just that, you know, we can't we can't catch up by writing legislation. We you know, like writing legislation that says you, you have to require this piece of ID or, or, or you can't require any ID or, or maybe you require IDs, but, but their gender shouldn't have to match. Like how, you know, how do we handle all of these incremental steps through legislation? Well, that's slow. It's tedious. And meanwhile, there are people getting shot on the street. So going to the law isn't necessarily um, the way to get the answers, the way to get the answers to these questions. Um, definitely that's also part of this interview that I, we just did with Jack. So let's return and, and listen to what he has to say about uh, transgender issues in the law. Very often the law is the author of the very violence that it's now being asked to um, remedy. And that kind of circuit is something that one needs to always be aware of. So, you know, just take an obvious example. Civil rights legislation is not liberatory. It's corrective. Uh, it, 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 the civil rights legislation is correcting in the law 
what was already a set of principles that guaranteed inequality and injustice. So I always think, I always want to push back on the idea that the law can be a site for liberatory um, potential and remind us that the law is actually uh, the place where we, we just, we make belated corrections, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So similarly, I think in, in, you know, I think it's a mistake to make arguments around transgender recognition that are always based upon the the claims that transgender people face more violence than other people and therefore need to be protected by the law. Um, that protection will come with a lot more scrutiny as well, mm -hmm. which may be great for middle-class white subjects who want the police in their neighborhoods, but it may be very bad for working class or unemployed subjects who really don't need the police any more in their business than they already are. So it's certainly true that uh, gender variant people face different kinds of struggles over the course of the life cycle, but does a transgender man face more violence in his lifetime than a middle-class heterosexual woman who dates a lot of guys, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. not convinced. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that heterosexual women or women who mostly partner with men are at way more risk of violence at some point in some of those relationships than a trans man may be simply walking down the street, particularly if he passes well. There's no identity politics that can work for trans people. Simply sharing a relationship to gender variance does, it, it neither guarantees any kind of political orientation um, uh, nor does it even necessarily unite people in a sense of oppression. Right. So that's why, you know, we have to do the much harder and more complex work of figuring out what kinds of political solidarities are best suited to the po political configurations that we find ourselves in. And those solidarities and coalitions and and collaborations are going to be way more effective than being told to uh, coalesce behind a few very visible trans women in the media today. Are there any examples in the media that you feel good about, that you feel like, ah, now here's a character I want, I want to be on screen? Not exactly that, but I do think that um, Jill Soloway's uh, show Transparent has been really, really interesting in its representation of transgenderism in the context of the deeply dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, you know, for me, that's just oh, it's such a relief to situate a representation of a queer character, not in, you know, as somebody who is impossibly good or is, is right. mired in, in positive, you know, a kind of mandate for positive representation. Um, but but instead is as complex as other people around them. And Transparent, the, the TV series that Jill Soloway um, wrote and, and created, is really good at reminding us that um, trans people are as broken, damaged, fucked up um, as as anyone else's. And mm -hmm. so we see more But not necessarily because of their because gender. Of it, yeah. Right. Any more than right. the son in the family is fucked up because he's a Jewish guy. Any right. more than the daughters are fucked up because they are bisexual, right? There is no cause and effect in that show. There are different locations with different kinds of uh, uh, levels of precarity and vulnerability and and 
and so on. But the but the, the character is refreshingly shown as a damaged person among damaged people, and we're asked to to think about what that means in terms of the definition of the family: a damaged person among damaged people. That's the definition of a family. And then the question is, you know, not. How, how can we keep celebrating how wonderful our families are, but how can we figure out how to do kinship differently, better, in more expanded ways, with different kinds of consciousness around intimacy, connection, friendship, belonging, all of those things. And for me, that's like the show has given us this wonderful opportunity to do that, and I really I admire the show for that. What it means to be human is that one is internally contradictory. You change your mind. You hurt people. You fuck up. You make bad decisions. You make bad alliances. You abandon people. You know, and it's that version of the human that the show traffics in that seems right to me. That was Jack Halberstam, author of Gaga Feminism and the Queer Art of Failure. I'm Vanessa Carlisle, and you're listening to Sex, Please on Safe Harbor KPFK. We have a caller on the line. Do we still have a caller on the line? Great. Yes. Hello. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. Who is this? This is your friend. Um, I spoke to you last week, but um, I have a question. Is um, trans the same as uh, effeminate and um, androgynous? Because I grew up with uh, some trans fellows who were just like that naturally. So it's not a choice. It's, It's from birth, correct? Oh, everyone's looking at me, so they, they, want me, they want me to answer because I am the trans person I'm like, in the room. I could, the I, could an, I could answer the question, but <laughs> I prefer um, to hand it over. So so you, you were asking, is femininity the same as, as trans? Yeah. Androgyny. Androgyny. Those terms I use, but it, 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 trans, the condition itself, is not a choice. Like gay. Gays didn't, there was no heightened sense of awareness until the gays got the message that it's not, it's not a choice. It's from birth. And then everybody went, aha, oh, okay. Who I, be? I, I, think, I think that that type of, like, de- that definition or that type of clarification, it, it may be helpful when, um, when, like, activists or people who are trying to educate people, I, th- I think it may be helpful to, like, push it on, I mean, to, like, you know, kind of put it in that box. But I think it's different for everyone. Um, for me, I was just always very feminine, and I just kind of, like, just growing up, and people were always telling me to be masculine. Like, my right. father was telling me to be a man and to be a soldier and to, you know, into he, he would try to try to enforce this type of masculinity on me. And I tried to conform to it, but it was just very false. And then um, I just did some like self-discovering at a very young age. And I just said, you know what, all of my all the things that I like and the views that I have and the people that I'm inspired by, um, it's either feminine or the people I'm inspired by are women. And so I just kind of said, hmm, well, I feel this way. So that is just, it, it, I just kind of, it just, it, it was just kind of like, I just kind of, it was just, I kind of went through puberty. It was like a mental puberty. I kind of had to set aside social norms and just do what I felt was right. I don't know. I wasn't born with this type of, with this stance. Like I was, I know that I'm a woman, even though people are telling me that I'm something else. I, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, to say that. Um, you know, I think we're just all born. I, I don't necessarily know if, you know, if we're even, like, I don't know if I was born, you know, heterosexual. I don't know if I was born with an attraction to men. I think I was just born a baby. And I think I just kind of figured everything else out on the way. <laughs> well, I love that. I think I was actually just born a baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I think it is it is really helpful sometimes for people to have the born this way kind of hammered into them about choice. But the problem is that that sort of sidesteps the question of respectability politics, which is at sort of the heart of yeah. stigma. Because it's like, you know, even if I chose it, you still have to respect it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> even, even if that's the thing, even if I chose to be this way, even though I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know. Right. And this is something that I encounter when people are having trouble with trying to understand my relationship status or, you know, my my web of my web of people or my or my work or it, it's like I can change my mind at any moment and I will ask you to respect it. And I, if you want to be close to me, you will. That's yeah. it. So, you know, there's there's not a lot of generalizations that we can make, particularly about um, how people express their gender. It's like the whole the whole point of allowing people to express their gender in the way that they feel most true is that you don't get to generalize about them. They have to tell you. Yeah. And I also want to say, because I was kind of describing my womanhood, which is it's it's very weird to do so, but it, it's it was it's it's extremely weird because it's kind of like if I were to ask you, Vanessa, like describe to me, you know, like, how do you know you were a woman? Right? And I'd be like, it's just kind of. <laughs> it's just kind of it's just kind of weird. It's like, oh, your doctor told you so, and you were just like, I'm okay. I'm gonna go with that. You know, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's it's just, it's kind of weird to do, but I just feel like for me, I know a lot of trans people have a varying, you know, ways that they, you know, are whatever they are. And, you know, for me, it's just kind of like, I know. Right. And not all, not all trans people inhabit their bodies the same way. Not all trans people are interested in body modification the same way. Not all trans people are interested in sexuality the same way. There's actually not... Um, there's not really an answer to your question directly, I don't think, unless you want to rephrase it. Are you still there? Absolutely. Uh, but as far as the identification goes, that the identification is not for you. You know who you are. What do you need the identification for? No, it's to identify you to the authorities. And they want to, like, okay, if they have to sift, sift through some remains to identify a, you know, or, or a crime victim or something, you know, they got to have something to go by. Yeah, I think it's called DNA. Or, you know, fingerprints or, you know, things like that. But um, yeah. if, if, if they're really caught up on, like, some type of gender marker, like, I'm fine. Look, for me personally, I'm fine with a gender marker. I know that Jack, you know, was is not. And I know there's a lot of, you know, gender nonconforming people who aren't fine with, you know, uh, uh, gender markers. Um, like, you know, male, female, trans man, trans woman. Um, and, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of ways, to, uh, you know, to define people or to, you know, and I think it's called, you know, their name. Or, like I said, DNA. Um you know, dental records. Right. I mean, some some of the deeper questions are, why is the government needing to track everyone so closely? What yeah, what, what, what exactly is that about? You know, I mean, it's Control. Not... Governing. Government. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Thank yeah, you they for... They don't get power back. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. No, they don't. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you for calling. Thank you. So, Quay, that... That last thing that we were hearing from Jack about the about the ways that um, that people are getting regulated by the government are getting you know are are having their identities tracked by the government. These are all ways that we have policy to mm-hmm. deal with gender, but we also have policy to deal with um, 
people being afraid of gender nonconforming people, right? Do you want to talk with us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, um, kind of, uh, or I'll talk, yeah. Um, so what I was uh, thinking about was uh, about, we were talking about trans visibility and, um, you know, something that helps with um, what trans visibility, what I hope it does is help um, inform policy. Um, the the more that... Um, the more that it affects pu- public opinion, that hopefully it can um, inform policy. And something that I really don't like is the gay panic defense and the trans panic defense, which is just basically something that murderers get to claim in court um, that they found out that someone was trans or they found out that someone was gay or maybe hitting on them. And they just claim this brief period of insanity and they're able to um, take a lesser charge for murder. So they could be facing first degree murder charges and it can um, immediately go to manslaughter. And instead of facing life in prison, um, they are now facing six years in jail. And at first blush, this seems like something that only a minority has to worry about. But really, it's something that we all have to worry about. Because if our government is giving validity to this idea that hate crimes are acceptable, that murder is acceptable, I don't think anyone is safe. Um, it's 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 really concerning and but one thing that I am happy to say um, and this this is um, this has happened by public opinion um, is that on September 27 2014 Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill number 2501 making California the first state to ban trans panic defense and gay panic defense Good for Cali. Every once in a while, we can give it up for California. And it's the only state. So 49 other states, people can, you know, someone could walk in here and they could kill. Well, not here, but if we were in Nevada, which is one state over, they could walk in, you know, to whatever room I'm in. They can kill me and they can not be charged for murder. Right. Because of their because of their transphobia. Because, yeah, because right. of their transphobia. And um, it's it's really insane. We've got time for one more quick call before we're off air tonight. Who are you? Hello. Hi, it's Jake from Brooklyn uh, visiting San Francisco with a question about uh, gender and sexuality. Okay, let it, let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's about... Um, you know, so as a as a gay guy who, well, not so, you know, it's like a five on the Kinsey scale or whatever, you know, I celebrate. Does that mean you're super gay? I'm not familiar with the Kinsey. I'm not too familiar. I think it's like a five. I think it's five would be like, what, 80% gay, 20% straight? Oh. Uh, what's your question? Well, question? Yeah, what's your question? I feel a natural kinship with the celebration of sexuality, but not so much with gender. As an uncle uh, of, like, an eighth grader, I go and I watch on stage uh, the distinct gender roles that are being displayed. The boys are in suits wearing pants, but so many of the girls feel obligated to show their legs. It makes me, I just feel it's, I feel disgusted by it, actually, um, that the girls have sh- are showing it, that kind of leg, and the boys are not, and and they're eighth and eighth grade, and this is about music. But this is professional attire. I'm also a lawyer, and you see the women all the time showing their calves when the men are not. It's just it makes me really red and angry. But why is yet it? I why does it make you so angry, man? Go ahead. 
Why does it make you so angry? I don't know, um, because I just feel a real power play going on there. Um, he's, he's, totally, he's totally right. He's totally right. At USC, the men's volleyball team gets to wear long shorts. The girls' volleyball team has to wear hot pants. And when they say, hey, we don't want to wear these hot pants, we want to wear long shorts, they're told no. So I think I get what you're saying. I think I get what you're saying. The calves don't don't make me feel disgusted, but the 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 being compelled to show your body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. used to people telling me to cover up my body. And yeah. I'm like, no, let me be a slut. And okay? then there's some women <laughs> <laughs> let me who are like, hey. <laughs> let me be myself. We got to wrap it up, sweetie. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all the callers this evening. What a what a show. What a show. We got to say thank you to Jack Halberstam and to Max Hodes for that interview clip. Thank um, you. Quay, how can people find you if they want to come talk to you more? Oh, you can find me on my Instagram. I'm very sexy. What's um, the handle? Oh, the handle is Q. We have no, no time. It's Q-U-E-I-T-A-N-N. Quay Tan at Instagram. Great. Danny, how can people find you? Uh, it's at It's Danny Cruz on Twitter. Chrisanne? I can always be found at uh, at Big Broad Sports on Twitter and a KPFK Safe Harbor uh, Facebook page. I'm Vanessa Carlisle. You can find me on Twitter at V Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. Today, Thursday, March 31st, is Transgender Day of Visibility. Check it out. Go online. Look up some stuff. Learn some things. Read Transgender 101 by Nicholas Teak. Read Beyond Magenta, Transgender Teens Speak Out by Susan Cucklin. You've been listening to Sex, Please. We're a safe harbor show here on KPFK 90.7 FM. All power to the people. All pleasure to the people. Good night and good fuck. It's 